Welcome to the Fire and Earth Podcast with your hosts, Jason Mefford and Kathy Gruber. Fire and Earth, giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kathy Gruber. And I'm Jason Mefford. And today we have a mutual friend. But what's what's always interesting, right, is it's like Kathy and I have known each other for years. We've been doing this podcast for years. We both know Robert, but we didn't know that we both knew Robert. <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. I am not, not going to sing It's a Small World After All. <laughs> Thank oh, you. No, no, no. La, 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 la. <laughs> no, and your, your, your viewership will hit end by that singing. <laughs> So we have Robert Grossman with us, um, a fellow fellow speaker as well. So we're, we're all in the National Speakers Association. That's how we know each other, because we're all here in the L.A. area um, as well. And uh, excited to have you here with us today, Robert. So welcome. Now, this mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. What a great way to end the week. I know. Well, yeah. For most people, they don't know, but we record these usually Friday mornings. So that we is like true. to have my apologies. What? Oh my goodness! That. <laughs> these are not live. <laughs> the veil has been lifted, and well, emotional intelligence number one hundred and one. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm so excited. So the way I met Robert, and I actually don't know exactly how I met you, but one day it popped into my inbox. Hey, I'm doing a um, a webinar on psychological safety, and that's something that I talk a lot about. And then I did it, and it was great. And I think I emailed you and said, Hey, I love your pod your your webinar and then I got another one for emotional intelligence and I went oh, the other thing that I love doing so you know and I'm a lifetime learner like same thing with Jason like this is what we love doing the show because we get to meet or re-meet so many people and learn new things so can you tell everybody at home who's listening um what is emotional intelligence and what is psychological safety because I don't think a lot of people know exactly what that is sure and I'm going to give you some very simple definitions so with emotional intelligence the simplest definition or the way I like to describe it is recognizing that we are emotional beings. That in other words, our brains are designed to respond to life's events emotionally first and recognizing that our emotions are not always accurate and then engaging our rational brain, which would be the prefrontal cortex to make sense of what's actually going on so we can respond versus react to situations. Now, psychological safety, the definition of that is really eliminating fear from companies and from teamwork, meaning that we want to create an element of radical candor so team members feel free to speak up and share their thoughts or challenge ideas or report things that need to be reported, such as mistakes, promptly, so corrective action can be taken immediately without the fear of ridicule or humiliation or any other you know negative impacts so those two really do go hand in hand absolutely so you mean we shouldn't like tease and bully our coworkers because they have a stupid idea well i mean only on the podcast can i do that okay yeah (laughs) well it's it's interesting i got a quick 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 story to share yeah so i'm working with a group of leaders at a at a pharma company and we first talked about psychological safety, and then we went into emotional intelligence. And um, one day during a coaching call, one leader said, you know, something just happened this week that I have to share with you, Robert. And I said, well, what happened? Because while I was delivering a presentation, I misspelled a word of my presentation twice. Uh. And one of my team members pointed it out to me in the room in front of everybody else. And I said, oh my gosh, what happened? He said, well, what I wanted to do 
was respond in a kind of snarky, ridiculing way, but I heard you instead. And I took a deep breath and I simply said, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate you supporting me to do a better job and I will definitely fix it at the end of this presentation, nice. right? And so he said, number one, I did feel like I knew I wanted to respond a certain way, but I chose not to. If I had responded the way I wanted to respond, I would have broken trust and reduced psychological safety. Uh. But instead, he believed that he improved trust and improved psychological safety. And I agree with him 100%. He did a great job in that situation. Yeah. Isn't it the greatest compliment as a speaker or a coach when your client says, and I heard your voice in my head, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I have clients that they're like, uh, you know, what would Kathy tell me, you know, what would Kathy ask in that? Situation? What would Kathy think I should do in that situation? I love that. That means we're doing our job. That's doing fabulous. Job. What, a exactly. what a great story and a perfect illustration of psychological safety. Yeah. Well, and two of the emotional intelligence side yeah. of it, right? Because I, I know I talk about that some, some as well, because I, I think I mean, there's, there's a couple areas where I'd love to go. You know, one is emotion in business. And a lot of people say, well, you can't have emotion in business. And I would mm -hmm. say bullshit. And there's a good reason for it. And we, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But but the other thing, too, is, is you know, we, we, we throw out emotional intelligence. But to me, a lot of it, too, is about maturity, mm -hmm. right? And about being more mature emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. And so so just like as we're little kids, right? We grow up, we act really immature, and then we become adults, right? But most people never become adults emotionally, yeah. right? Because they're they're not mature emotionally to be able to recognize it, like you said. And our first knee-jerk reaction might be to just lay into that person, right? Like, how dare you, right. you know, you know, embarrass me in front of everyone else in this meeting, right? Yeah. But that's really an immature way of responding. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said, it's more recognizing, responding instead of reacting, because usually our first reaction is not the right one. Right. <laughs> and there's a there's another part of this that also explains what you're sharing, Jason. And I left it out of the initial description because it goes a little bit deeper. And there's a little part of our brain called the amygdala. You guys heard of the amygdala? Oh, yeah. Right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, many people watching this podcast might I've heard before of the amygdala hijack, uh -huh. yep. right? And so what happens is, is that when we feel threatened, whether it's real or perceived, our amygdala begins to flood our bodies with chemicals like neonepinephrine and cortisol, which are the stress hormones to get ready to either fight or fight, sorry, fight or flight, right? And, and I said perceived, which is so important, right? And uh, for example, if you're going for a hike and you're walking through the woods and you hear a rustling in the bushes, you know, you might think there's a Bengal tiger sitting in those bushes that's gonna come out and eat me, right? Well, we all know that there's no Bengal tigers and most likely it was a squirrel, but when, the minute you start to think that it's something that's gonna hurt uh -huh. you, right? You all of a sudden your heart rate increases, your jaw tightens, you go into tunnel vision. And that's what happens if you're in a conversation and somebody says something that you perceive as an attack, which happens yeah. probably 90% of the time, right? And so that's that dynamic of conflict. Yeah, it was to that, to that point, I was on a scuba diving trip in, um, 
at the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Wow. And I'm paddling along and I'm paddling along and I'm looking around and all of a sudden something jumps at me out of the side. I start screaming into my rag, bubbles are going everywhere. And I realized this piece of hair that Jason and I always joke about, it had, <laughs> I had stopped and the hair kept going. So it, in my periphery vision of the goggles, it looked like this thing was coming at me. It was my own freaking hair, but I had a panic. But as I kind of should have, because it's like, ah, somebody's attacking me underwater. Uh, we do that all the time, right? We jump right. at the garden hose. You know, we see the cat's tail flicking. We think it's a snake, whatever it is. That's the innate thing that we do. That's right. And as emotionally intelligent beings, we then get to evaluate that situation and go, oh, that was a stick. Okay. Right. So right. our boss saying, I want to see you first thing Monday morning. That's not fight or flight worthy because it's not an actual physical threat, right? It's a, we, we have this all weekend long. Oh my God, what do you want to find out? I was unless, taking post-it notes. Right, unless, unless you think you're gonna be fired or demoted or something. Right, right? well, that's, you know, we don't know. We do the what ifs all know. weekend. Exactly, yeah. we don't know. We call that mind reading and fortune telling. Yep, and those are cognitive distortions that we try to avoid. Yeah, it's funny, yeah. I, I got a quick story. So in 1984, um, I was traveling abroad as a medic on a group and I was bit by a snake. Ooh. And it was a, a pit viper and it almost did kill me. Okay. <gasps> almost did kill me. So now fast forward, that was 1984, fast forward to 1996 uh, or 97 um, on my, my honeymoon down in Costa Rica and we're in a remote location. And the, the guide said, let's go on a nighttime canoe trip up this river. <laughs> right. So I'm in the back of course of the canoe and you see little light, little eyes all over the place. And, and all of a sudden, I see something out of the corner of my eye and I yell, snake! And we start paddling really fast. It was the rope. <laughs> <laughs> so I know what you're saying. Yeah, you're like, it's gaining on us. It's gaining on us. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and especially, I mean, because, you know, we can laugh about it and, it and it's always, you know, in hindsight is always 2020, right? That's what they right. say. But because you actually experience a physical trauma of yeah. being bitten by the snake, mm -hmm you know, that was programmed in your subconscious. And mm -hmm. so again, when the amygdala sees something that it believes is a snake, you especially are going to freak out because you've actually experienced it before. That's correct. That's yeah. Right. So, I'm so, so there's the challenge, right? So if we have a history of abandonment, of breakups, of mm -hmm. bosses who are jerks, mm -hmm. we're going, we're trained to mm -hmm. react in that same way. That's the pattern that's in our brain. So Correct. how do we step out of that pattern and start to up our emotional intelligence? What can we practically do to help ourselves? Sure. Well, step one is awareness. Awareness mm -hmm. that you're having. So let's define something. I call, um, I, I have a model called the response chain and the response mm -hmm. chain starts with what's called a key moment or the event and what happened, mm -hmm. right? And that key moment or event is, <clears throat> is just the facts, just what happened. I, I was cut off in traffic. Not, I was cut off in traffic by a jerk. Just the, I was cut off in traffic, right? <laughs> We know That's he was it. a jerk. That goes without <laughs> right. saying. Right? And so, so when we experience that key moment, um, we have thoughts about it. And those thoughts are not always accurate. In fact, oftentimes they're not accurate. But where do we get our thoughts from? Well, they come from really the first step, which is our paradigms, how we see the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, and step two is understanding that how we see the world, how we, let me rephrase that, how we experience the outside world may not be accurate as to how the outside world is actually occurring. Uh, uh, one example of this is, you know, I show up to work and this is pretend that we work together, right? I show up to work and Jason shows up to work and I say, hey, Jason, good morning. He goes, rah, 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 and walks away. 
right? And I turn around and say, man, God, that guy, Jason, he doesn't like me. And Kathy, who's more emotionally intelligent, says, I wonder what's going on with Jason today, right? Same exact situation, yeah. right? Just two different <clears throat> responses. And so we have to, so we have to understand that we don't see, the, we don't experience the world that actually occurs. So what do we do? We practice what we, what I call distortions in our reasoning. So we have the key moment, we have an experience it, we have thoughts. And then we look at our thoughts and we say, well, number one, am I catastrophizing this event? Uh, making it bigger than it is? Am I mind reading? Am I uh, fortune telling? Like I already know how it's gonna turn out. Mm -hmm. Am I personalizing it? Am I labeling it? There's a whole list of these things. And so we call this the four box exercise where we take the meaning of the key moment Sorry, we take the key moment and then the meaning of it, then we figure out what distortions we might be using. When we remove those distortions, then we get down to possibly the true meaning. And so if we change our thoughts about it, it's critical because our thoughts actually determine our physical, physiological, emotional response. And then based on our emotional or physio physiological response, we then act out or have certain behaviors. Yeah. And then those behaviors really do determine whether or not we are reacting or responding to that key moment. Yeah. And, and the, then there's one more step in this, and that is, well, how do we interrupt this in the middle? And again, step one is awareness. And I tell my clients, don't worry about interrupting it. Just start naming your key moments, key moments. And then as you get a little bit better at this, you can take a deep breath. Right. And know that mm -hmm. you're responding in a way that you don't want to. So take a deep breath. Or if you have time, go for a walk. I play the Doobie Brothers if I have time when I'm when I'm stressed about something. And it's a, it's you know, you said you said in the very beginning that you and Jason are lifelong learners. And so am I. And developing your emotional intelligence is a lifelong journey. Yeah, it sounds this sounds very similar to cognitive restructuring which is something that I learned when I did a bunch of mind body stuff at Harvard. And that's something I sit down with my clients and do, right? It's like, what is the thing that happened? How does it make you feel? What emotions are you having? What physical are you having? What are the distortions? What would you like to feel? And then what is kind of the solution to this, which is, well, what can you do? And how do you help get rid of those distortions? So I love this. And I love that you shortened it because the cognitive restructuring chart is like eternal, right. you know? So that's a great, I, and I remember in your webinar, you going through that and it's, it's so helpful because it's something once you do a couple of times and actually write it out, you start to automatically go, oh, I'm doing that thing. What is this moment? Well, how do I feel right. about it? What are the distortions? So it's, it's, it's great, a great practice to get into. And that's where you want people to get to, right? Um, about, about four years ago, um, I was hired by a company in Poland. Actually, they're all over Eastern Europe to do a workshop with their engineers, software engineers. Mm. They would interface with with US-based project managers who didn't have the best, friendliest personalities. And these Eastern Europeans were, you know, pretty laid back and they were taking it personally. And after working with them for two days, and I went back a week later, the CEO took a screenshot of his Slack channel. And I don't know if this is a compliment or not, but somebody made an emoji out of my face. That's what they were using when they're having a key moment. They put my wow. face in the Slack channel, right? So we got them speaking the same language. And that yeah. on a team, that's critical. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know because you because you bring that up too, that there's, you know, the the one other thing, because I, I was just coaching somebody who, who, who was of Russian background, right? And so again, 
a lot of times there there are these cultural issues you know eastern europe versus us it's not even just you know our perceptions can be completely off base right because of our background because of those paradigms and the beliefs that we end up mm -hmm. uh, having over time even because of the culture where we're from you know it, that that can be geographic like you know where we grew up it can be cultural in within a company as well as to you know oh when people when people do that this is what they mean right and they're all uh -huh. things that we've learned and so you you throw that other kind of layer of culture on top of it and it's like well that's why we each see that event that triggering event completely different because we're right. all coming at it from all a different, different angle and we all have different experiences right. and those paradigms are made up of everything you just said you can throw uh -huh. in religion you can throw in political background um, origin of birth but you did say that already and so many yeah. different factors right just like what you said earlier kathy you know if you grow up um, and people are breaking their promises chances are you're going to have a stronger reaction when somebody makes a promise and they don't fulfill on it or even if they make it you might say yeah right uh-huh you're going to do that i don't trust yeah. you right whether yeah. that's, they say it out loud or they say it in their mind <clears throat> yeah interesting so i have a question for you and i i've talked to a lot of people who or you know read a lot of stuff about about psychological safety especially in the workplace so it's great to have someone like you or us jason come in and i and you know teach the company how to do that but what if you're already in a company where you're on the staff you're an employee and you don't have psychological safety there. How do you manage being in a place where you do have a narcissistic asshole boss, or you do have coworkers that are behind your back? Mm -hmm. How do you survive that other than just up and quitting? Well, so in my opinion, before you can even talk about psychological safety, we have to work on emotional intelligence, right? And so if you're in a, I'll call it a hostile environment or an uncomfortable environment, um, you number one, you need to be able to not react to what's going on around you, mm. right? So so psychological safety is not an individual thing. It's a team thing. It's actually yeah. an organizational-wide thing, right? So I just can't, hey, I'm psychologically safe, right? I'm open to everything. <laughs> but then, you know, somebody else on my team or my manager or their manager or their VP is not, yeah. right? It, it doesn't, it, it can be disruptive in that sense. So, uh, so psychological before we can even move towards psychological safety there's some other steps as well too that we need to develop teams in so like if a company thinks that they can um, watch a video on psychological safety and then they can be psychologically safe you know they're 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 foolish and they're going to waste money on that because it is based on human to human interaction yeah right that is the basis of psychological safety so well, I think it, that, that brings up an interesting point, too, that, that, of, of what you said, because I think a lot of times when I talk about emotional intelligence, people are like, oh, yeah, my boss needs to be more emotionally intelligent. Right. right? <laughs> they always they always want somebody else mm -hmm. to be the one that changes. But like yeah. what, what you just said there, right, if, if you're in a toxic environment, it all has to start with you. Right. Correct. And if, if you are more emotionally intelligent, more mature even if everybody else around you is acting like a little whiny bitch, you know, sort of mm -hmm. thing, you can have some solace in, in how you're responding and how you're 
you know, taking those distortions or paradigms and changing mm -hmm. them right, right. to where you can actually still survive and thrive That's right. in an environment like that, right? Because you're like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? right. <laughs> sort of thing. So even though all this shit is going on around you, you don't let it stick to you or you don't get attached to yeah. it. And you don't react to it that way. And I think that's one message that a lot of people need to hear because too often people quit their job and they move somewhere else and they've never worked on themselves enough to be mature enough. And sure enough, they show up in some other place. Right. I promise you folks, there's immature Same people thing. everywhere you go. And so yeah. if you're letting those other people affect you, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you move jobs, the other people are going to affect you. It, you got to change yourself first. Right? Yeah. So that's, and that is where we typically start because almost everybody says, oh, I, my coworker is this and that, and they really piss me off. And, and, and if we can't get past, there's nobody out there. It's only you, right? You're not going to change anybody. You're not going to fix anybody. All you can do is develop yourself to the point where you are responding, right? And that means that might mean that you're not engaging that level of behavior, right? Right. Yeah. So you're right. hundred percent. There's a great story, Jason, uh, that I use in one of my workshops. We talk about um, a, a, you know, um, probably sometime in history uh, where a traveler comes to a, a new city and there's a wise man and he says to the wise man, what kind of people live in this city? And the wise man pauses and says, well, what were the people like where you came from? And he said, well, they were evil and spiteful and conniving and this and that. And the wise man said, well, that's exactly who lives in this town. And then an hour later, another person comes by and says, hey, uh, wise man, how, who, what kind of people live in this city? And he said, well, what were the people like where you came from? And he said, well, they were wonderful, nice, kind, giving and generous. And he said, that's exactly what you'll find in the city. Yeah. So, so that goes back to the paradigm again. That goes back to what you look sure. for, you will find. So if you, if you believe <laughs> all bosses are, are terrible human beings or terrible animals or monsters, then no matter where you go, you're going to look for it and you're going to find it. Oh, sure. You're going to find absolutely find what you're looking for. Well, and what is the thing? You know, if you're unhappy in a situation, you have three choices. Change the situation, leave the situation or change yourself. Right. And you can't always leave. And it's very hard to change the situation. So all you can do is continue to work on yourself. So right. that's a good point. Exactly. Exactly. Well, now, and I know we're coming up towards the end, so I wanted to, to, I know, I know the time, time goes by pretty quick, doesn't it? So I, I wanted to make sure and get this in too, because I know, especially when it comes to business, and I know you work with people in businesses, so do I, so does Kathy, but there seems to be this in, in uh, belief that again, I think is wrong, but of where we can't let emotion enter into the workplace. Right. And, and I know we've, the pendulum kind of swings back and forth a lot of times, you know, to where, okay, maybe sometimes we're, you know, we're a little too, too, too rough when it comes to, you know, sexual jokes or whatever, whatever else. And so we swing the other way and then we become so prudish. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if it feels like, especially in organizations now, it's kind of like that where, well, we can't offend anybody. You can't express any emotion. Right right because you know we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings you can never say anything that you know isn't politically correct and and this emotional intelligence idea and and 
psychological safety really does kind of roll into all of this mm-hmm. as well, right? I mean, and, and it's, it feels like if we're too sterile, then we stop being humans. And how can yeah. we stop being humans without some serious psychological effects to ourselves? Right, yeah. right. I think that there's an absolute place in all of life for emotions, right? Including the boardroom, including the manufacturing floor or wherever it might occur in a business. The, the, the thing I think where we need to distinguish this or draw a distinction is healthy versus unhealthy emotions. So for example, if I said, you know, Jason, um, what you shared during that meeting made me feel, um, sad, right? That's an emotion. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But if I said, hey, Jason, you were an asshole by what you said, you made me sad. Well, then, right, then now we have a problem. Right. But to say that made me sad, because really what companies are looking for now, they all, everybody's talking about empathy, empathy, to be empathetic. Yep. Right. And if you're emotionalist, you can't be empathetic. Yeah. Right. And so I, so I would, so if you were, if I was coaching you and you said this team member came up to me and said that, I would coach you to turn around and say, I hear what you're saying. And I understand that I really made you sad. Tell me more about that. Right. Versus, well, don't be so sensitive. Yeah. Right. Right. What, so tell me what happened. Right. What happened? (laughs) Tell me what happened. Right. So one is you're being hooked and the other are reacting and the other you're responding. I mean, let's face it. We're emotional beings. And if we stifle our emotions, you know what I mean? Then what do we become? Psychopaths? Right? We have no feelings at all. Feelings are important. It's just a healthy expression of those feelings and understanding right. that there's a communication process that we have to also be responsible for. So how we speak is is important and not getting right. hooked and reacting is important. So yeah. if we're emotionalists, I would I would hate to work in an emotionalist environment. Yeah, that that's a good question, Jason. I was want to make sure that. that... Yeah, no, and, and and what's interesting Sorry, is yeah, because the the, oh, okay. the choice the choice of the word that you use there too, kind of hit me as one of the light bulb things too, right? Is it's like the people who don't feel emotions are psychopaths. So if we're if we're encouraging people or thinking that people at work or anywhere else shouldn't feel emotions, and we're trying to get them to to you know throw that away and never never have that then what we're effectively doing is trying to train or make everyone psychopaths and that's a pretty or robots and that's a pretty scary place to be right is is we don't want people to be that way and so if we throw out all the emotions and we don't know how to deal with it we turn into psychopaths and we do things that we don't want to do right Right, Here's, which which have a bigger damaging psychological impact on people absolutely. than actually expressing the emotion. And he, here's what innovative companies are looking at now. They're looking at a relatively new domain called total worker health, oh. which includes emotional well-being as well. Uh-huh. Right, that's a big component of total worker health. So one of my other very large clients is the um, employee health and safety department for a large fortune 500 company, right? And they're implementing total worker health in their organization. It's not easy, right? I mean, it's a path, it's a, it's a journey, right? But we have to pay attention to that, Jason, for the very reasons you just expressed, right? If we don't acknowledge our humanity, 
then you're not bringing everything to work. If you have to stifle your emotions, you're leaving part of yourself at home and not bringing the total you to work, which then leads to more creativity and um, um, discretionary effort and those types of things that we all want on our teams. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I was just going to add to what you guys were just talking about. I had a, a conversation with a client the other day about anger mm -hmm. and they said, oh, I know it's bad to get angry. And I said, well, things, frankly, <laughs> there are things we should get angry about. I said, it's about how you express that anger and what you do with that anger. With it, if, yeah. if you go screaming through the office and you're throwing things off desks and name calling and punching people, probably might want to rein that in. Uh, but if you have that feeling of, wow, I'm really angry. What made me angry? What can I do? You know, and you go through that flow of what was the inciting incident to this? I mean, I think we've all had an occasion where we were suddenly just either angry or like anxious about something. And it's like, yeah. I've always gone back to what was I thinking that made me have that feeling? Oh, right. I was thinking about having to pay that big bill. And I wasn't sure that if I had the money for, okay, that's what that was. Taking that emotion back to what sparked it, I think is so important. And I don't think it's a good thing to stuff anger. I think there has to be ways to process it in a healthy oh, way to, uh, or else you're going to explode one day and you're going to be on the news and we don't want I'm, that. I'm, I'm working with a client right now that, that um, has been out um, having little outbursts, some bigger outbursts. And, um, and, and a, he, he brought it back to something that happened with one person eight years ago that wow. was left unresolved. So... That'll do it. That'll do it. And of course, we are out of time. We could talk to you all day. This We'll have to have you back on and we'll cover everything else. So much good info. So if people want to reach you, do any of your programs, have you speaking, what's the best place to find you? Well, I'm going to give you three different ways. Number one, and this will cover everything, <laughs> my website, which is www.blackdiamondleadership.com. Uh -huh. My email is robert at blackdiamondleadership.com and call me direct at 818-231-5238. Beautiful. I love it. So reach out, get a hold of Robert. This has been yeah. great. And it's so and funny. If, we all know each other to, and didn't know. If they go to the website, they can sign up for, uh, register for our email. So they'll know about our future upcoming webinars and workshops and things like that as well. And they're so good. This is why Thank I you. asked you on the show because your webinars were so so good. They were quick. They're informative. I love the PowerPoint that you, you know, the, like the, the graphics that you use. It was great. It was great. Thank you. Oh, Thank final you. thoughts, Jason. Well, I think this is, you know, again, like you said, we could, we could talk about this more and we're going to have to talk about more of it, I think too. But, but to me again, I mean, there's, there's people are stressed out. People hate going to work. Um, and, and a lot of the stuff, you know, it's, I see people jumping jobs, jumping companies because they're trying to run away from something but the problem is you can't run away from yourself yeah. and so just like you said robert I, I love that story about you know somebody coming into the town and asking yeah, the wise great, man what terrible. kind of people are here because you will you will see you'll 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 see or whatever you're looking for is what you'll find, find yeah right and so you know again if you want to change your world change the world around you a lot of times you got to do the hard work on yourself, mm -hmm. right? But we mm -hmm. got to start having these discussions because if we don't, then things are going to keep going the way they are and people are going to still be depressed. They're going to be, yeah. you know, having all these things, popping pills, just to try to make it through the day. And yeah. it doesn't have to be that way, right? 100%. There's, there's, there's ways to change it. So I agree. Yeah. absolutely. Yay. This is really this is a good. lot of fun, you guys. Thank you. 
Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, I'm Kathy Groover. I can be reached at kathygroover.com. And I'm Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. So go out, have a great week. Start responding instead of reacting. Get a little bit more emotionally intelligent. Reach out to Robert. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Fire Nerd Podcast.